For more information about First Baptist Church, visit our website at fbclawschool.org. Open your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to be looking there and in the book of Psalms, but worship, praise, missions, this is the the purpose, the reason for existence of the church. We exist to worship God. We worship Him through our praise. We worship Him through missions. We worship Him through service. So as we learn together as a family what it means to authentically worship, to have true worship, I'd like to to bring you to this thing. We've been talking about how, how worship is something that God gives us. He enables us to worship Him. We overflow with mercy and grace and love and all of these things combine to create our worship. So God gives us these things in abundance and we worship out of the abundance of that. Today I want us to take a look at how we go from receiving that from God to using it to exalt Him. And and as we start this, I'd like to just read you a a brief quote from probably one of my favorite writers, A.W. Tozer. Those of you who know me know that I love me some A.W. Tozer. I like it because he doesn't pull any punches. He tells you what he wants you to know, what God has put on his heart to tell you, and if it offends you, well, I'm sorry to hear about that, A.W. says. But in the things that he wrote in the 50s and the 60s are exactly on point today. So the timelessness of the way he writes is great. I'm going to read you this thing. He wrote this little, uh, little passage called, I Choose to Worship. And he says, strange things are happening all around us in Christian circles because we are not truly worshipers. For instance, any untrained, unprepared, unspiritual, empty rattle trap of a person can start something religious and find plenty of followers who will listen and promote it. Beyond that, it may become very evident that he or she had never heard from God in the first place. All of the examples we have in the Bible illustrate that glad and devoted and reverent worship is the normal employment of human beings. Every glimpse that is given us of heaven and of God's created beings is always a glimpse of worship and rejoicing and praise because God is who He is. Because we are not truly worshipers, we spend a lot of time in the churches just spinning our wheels, making noise but not getting anywhere. What are we going to do about this awesome, beautiful worship that God calls us for? I would rather worship God than do any other thing I know of in all this wide world. That's what we're about. We're about being authentic here so we leave this place and go into a world that is dying and needs to hear about the good news of the salvation of Jesus Christ and we can be authentic out there. God has called us to a great purpose. Our first responsibility as worshipers is to understand what God has given us in Jesus Christ, what He has given us in the Holy Spirit. Refusing to come to God by grace or seeking to know God apart from the Bible moves us away from God, not toward Him. In fact, God gives us His Spirit, Paul writes to the church at Corinth, in order to know what has been freely given to us by God. How do we know what God has given us? The Holy Spirit informs us of everything that God has given us. Everything God has done on our behalf. The Holy Spirit keeps us cognizant, understanding 
of that. God has removed every hindrance to having a relationship with him. He has done that for us. If we come by his grace, there is nothing that needs stand in the way of our worshiping him. Nothing. If we come to God through grace, there is nothing standing between our worship and God. One of the most specific references to God's invitation to draw us near to him is found in the book of Hebrews. After explaining, the writer, after explaining how inadequate the Old Testament priests were, the sacrifices were, to fully and truly and permanently open the way to God, the author says this in Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 22. He says, therefore, brothers, I love therefore, it's kind of like but. He is getting ready to explain something to us. So he says, therefore, brothers, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus by the new and living way, that he has inaugurated for us through the curtain that is his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. After centuries, centuries of God warning his people not to draw close to him, without proper sacrifices. Man, that's what the Old Testament sacrificial system is, right? God is saying, if you want to draw near to me, this is what you must do. If you want me to, to forego my judgment against your sin, this is what you need to do. He says that now God cries out through the blood of Jesus now, come near. In the new covenant that Jesus brought with his blood, with his sacrifice, you see, the sacrificial system was changed to a system of relationship. God now cries out to his people, come near to me. Come near, draw near to me. I want to be close to you again. I want to pour into you. I want to have a relationship with you. Writer Bob and pastor Bob Coughlin says this, his once-for-all sacrifice has thrown open the door to the throne room of God. We come at God's invitation. And by his enabling, we come to marvel at his grace and stand in awe of his holiness and be undone by his mercy. We come to gaze upon his beauty, drink his promises, and embrace his will for our lives. Man, do we think about our relationship with God that way? Do we come before him to marvel at who he is? Do we come before him to sit at his feet and just drink what he gives us? Y'all, that's praise. That's worship. That's what we were created for. Do we, do we think of it that way? Through Jesus and Jesus alone, we now have free access by the Spirit into the very presence of God. We come before God. The veil that separated us is torn in two. The Holy of Holies has been exposed. We walk with confidence but with gratitude and humility into the presence of Almighty God. That's the way He intended our relationship with Him to be. That's the way He intended it. Once we have received this beautiful, magnificent gift, what do we do? We worship. We lift up. We exalt 
Who? God, not us. We don't come before God based on us. We don't come before God based on anything we can do or we can accomplish. We come before God based on the blood of Jesus Christ. It is everything that Jesus did and nothing that we did. We come before him in that way. We exalt him. Psalm 34, 1-3 says, I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and be glad. Proclaim with me the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. Well, how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, first, we need to make sure we're worshiping the right person. I think that's the important thing. We need to make sure we're worshiping the right person. Too often, we worship in the wrong direction. So we need to make sure we're worshiping the right person. Worship in the wrong direction is called idolatry. It's looking back or looking to anything other than God for our ultimate satisfaction, comfort, security, joy, anything that we look at that is not God. It's looking at anything, anyone other than God and saying, fulfill me, comfort me, console me, protect me, make me completely happy. That is idolatry. We may not be physically bowing down to idols, but that's exactly what we're doing, guys, in our hearts. That's what we're doing in our hearts. If we expect these things from anyone or anything other than the living God, it is idolatry. Instead of trusting in God's sovereignty, we seek refuge in our own abilities. Instead of magnifying God's mercy, we promote our own efforts to earn God's favor. We look to God and say, look at what I have done. Look at what I have done for you. Not God, thank you for what you've done for me. And when that exercise reveals its emptiness, the world around us crashes and we really don't know why. We don't know why. We are redeemed to exalt God and God alone. All our efforts to praise ourselves, to praise something else, to glorify and, and magnify our actions or our things or other people, we are worshiping in the wrong direction. Any worship that goes any direction other than up is the wrong direction. It's significant that in Scripture, the Hebrew and Greek words we most often translate with worship originally express the custom of, of bowing down or casting ourselves to the ground. That is what we we think about when we think about worship. Other worship words that the Bible uses include submission, sacrifice, serving, even fear. They cover what we do, not only when we gather together, but in our, in our lives daily. Remember, that's, we talked about when we first started talking about worship, that worship is not simply something that we do here. Worship is the life we live in gratitude to the God who saved us. That is, what our, that is what our worship is. They speak to our words and our actions as well as to our mind and our hearts when the Bible talks to us about worship. That's why, like the writer of Psalm 34, we can conclude that exalt, to exalt, to praise, to lift up, to glorify and magnify, seems to be the most appropriate word to sum up how God calls true worshipers to respond to him how are we going to respond to god 
What is the only way we can appropriately respond to the God of our creation? By magnifying Him, making much of Him, glorifying Him. And everything that He, that he does to worship God is to humble everything about ourselves and exalt everything about Him. It's to acknowledge that He alone is exalted over all peoples, all gods, and all heavens. Man, when we start our, when we start our prayer time, do we start with an understanding, a recognition, maybe even a recitation out of our hearts about who God is to us? The God of glory, the God of creation, the God of salvation. Thank you for who you are and for what you do. Thank you for what you've done in my life. God, thank you for the blessings big and small. Thank you for everything that, that, that you have done to, to make me a child of yours. And God, I know that I don't, I don't measure up often. But Lord, you continue to call me. You call me to return. You call me to, to repent. You call me to, to confess. You call me to seek you. And your promise is, you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. to recognize and rejoice with David the reality of those words. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the splendor and the majesty for everything in the heavens and on earth belongs to you. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom and you are exalted as head over all. Riches and honor come from you and you are the ruler of everything. In your hand are power and might and it is in your hand to make great and give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Ever wondered why you just can't do it all yourself? I mean, no matter how hard we try, no matter what we do, we just can't do it all ourselves. And we ever wondered why that is? It's because we were never designed to. Y'all, we were not created to do it all ourselves. We have to recognize that it's God who gives us strength. It is God who enables us, not ourselves. God makes that possible. And our worship with Him stems from our recognition that without Him, without Him, what does the Bible tell us? Our best efforts are hollow. And they're eventually lacking. We cannot do enough. We cannot be great enough we cannot accomplish great enough to merit what God has just lavished on us. That's why we worship. Because we are in a place, in a relationship with God that we don't deserve. We are there because God made the way. Because Jesus Christ came to this earth to be born of a woman, born under the law, to fulfill the law, so that by, that by falling on our face before the cross of Jesus Christ and confessing our sins, that we will receive that salvation and that eternity that is hope. Hope for a world that needs hope. In Scripture, every description of our relationship with God communicates for us the relationship of a lesser to a greater. Just think about it for a minute. Revelation 4.11 says we are creatures of the Creator. Luke 17.10 says we are servants of the Master. 1 John 3.1 says we are children of the Father. 
Revelation 19.7 says, We are the bride of the bridegroom. Hebrews 3.6 says, We are the house of the builder. John 15.15 says, We are the branches of the vine. God is jealous for His glory. He is jealous for His glory. And He loves us enough to change us. He loves us enough to continue after us so that we can surrender ourselves to Him and He can do the change that He wants to do in my life and in your life and in the life of everyone who would believe. All at the same time, He does that. His Spirit, just with great mercy, opens our eyes so that we can see those things that we commonly miss in our relationship, most primarily that God is God and I am not. That gets back to something that we've talked about both on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights a lot. Who is on the throne of your heart? Who is on the throne of your heart? If I am on the throne of my heart, then there is no room for the sovereign God. If my job or my family or my money or my things or my position or whatever it is is on the throne of my heart and there is nothing I wouldn't do for that thing or that person, then God is not on the throne of my heart. God says surrender to Him first and all these other things, right, will follow. He wants to bless us. He wants to lavish blessings down on His children. That that is what He wants to do. But He wants us to understand our relationship with Him. This is not something that you slide your your religious, your faith ATM card in and God starts spitting out blessings. God wants to bless His children, but He wants His children to have the appropriate relationship with Him. God is our Father, which means He loves us, and that love is unconditional. He wants the best for us. A parent doesn't want the best for their children. He's willing to reprimand us to bring us back into proper relation to Him. He sent the Holy Spirit to live in us, to teach us and to to lead us and to guide us and to break us and to do all those things every day on a daily basis, minute by minute. The Holy Spirit is working and, and working out His ministry in my life and in your life. Why? So that we can become the people that God has created us to be. That we can be the church God has created us to be. We should leave here armed with the power of God to change this world with the good news. He wants that. He wants it for us. I think it breaks his heart to know, as 2 Peter reminds us, that there will be some people who will reject his call. You see, that's part of God's sovereignty that he gives us the freedom to make that decision. And while it's not his desire that any should perish, but that all should come to salvation, eternal life, he knows that there are some who will not. Yet he sends us into the field every day. He sends us to to plow and to till and to, to plant the seed and to water. And the Holy Spirit comes to harvest. Listen, is there... Is there something you've been dealing with in your life? Have you given everything you have 
to Jesus? Are you living for Him? Are you focused on Him? Is your life an act of worship? Or are you worshiping yourself? Are you worshiping something else? Is there something else that you would rather do anything in the world for that's not God? God calls you to, to come to that realization. He brings you to this point so that you can lay that on the altar and you can pick up a new life. You can pick up the new clothes that Paul writes about. You can pick up the transformation from inside out that we're promised when we accept that beautiful, beautiful gift. The covenant of God's grace and mercy to us. He wants you to be there. Are you there? If you're not, let today be that day. Don't, don't wait. Put everything on the altar. Everything of who you are, everything of what you've done, everything of, that involves the, the mistakes that you've made in life. God, look, God knows it already. He knows it already. And He loves you. He wants you to have that kind of of relationship with him where you come to him and say father I've, I've messed up I talked about this morning in Sunday school the prodigal son we come before God and we say father I have sinned in the sight of heaven and in your sight we say that to God and much like that parable what does God do he throws his arms around us and he kisses us and he says all of that doesn't matter I love you. I love you. Welcome home. God wants to welcome you home today. Will you be that person, that child, to come and say, in spite of what I have done, I, I want to be a part of your family again. And let God just wrap his arms around you and say, come home. I've been waiting. Father, I just thank you for your love and your mercy. I thank you for your word that instructs us and inspires us. God, I thank you for calling us to worship and then giving us the tools that we need to worship. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the way you have inspired people to write music that stirs our hearts, that brings us into a proper uh, emotional state before you, Father, so that we can make decisions based not on emotion, but based love for you, a love that you have had for us from the beginning of time that you share with us and that we return to you in some small measure. Father, you, you call us and we say, I want my life to be a living testimony to who God is, to who you are in my life. God, thank you for that. Thank you for creating us to have a ministry and a, a, a testimony that we can share with others about the great things you have done for us and what you can do for them if, if they would just give you the chance. God, that is the, that's the type of church we want to be. These are the people that we want to be. Help us. Lead us today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's stand for our time of invitation.